Hello and welcome. This is Beers. No, it's not. What's the name of the show? It's been so long. This is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and I've got a fun episode. Um, for, but first, I guess, how how the hell are you, guys? It's been a while. Um, you know, when you quit drinking alcohol, it is sometimes a difficult task to continue a, a beer podcast that talks about 90s stuff. I think I might have cut down on some 90s stuff, too. What the fuck is going on? Uh, I've also been very busy with my other podcast. You might know it. Friend Request. It is way more popular than this one, but I gotta respect the original fans here, guys. And I am here for you. And I've got a great peanut butter stout today. And I've got a great movie from 1998. And I think you're all ready to just jump right into it. That's how I talk now, by the way. Let's do this. All right, today we are drinking all the way from sunny Anaheim, California, and Bravis Brewing peanut butter stout. Uh, this, you know, as, as a connoisseur of non-alcoholic beers these last few years, that was supposed to rhyme. I did that on purpose. Uh, it is so exciting to finally start seeing flavored stouts in the arena of non-alcoholic beer, because the stouts that were available, which they're fine, they're, they're a little bland and basic, uh, you know, like uh, Stout AF from um, uh, Brewdog and... Uh, 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 Athletic Brewing has stout called All Out Stout, which I will tell you what I did with that eventually. Uh, but they're, you know, they're stouts, partake stout, uh, but there's no like super chocolate one or super peanut butter one or something like that. And those are my, those are my favorite stouts, you know, like uh, a nice fucking habanero chocolate coffee stout. Oh, that sounds delicious. Um, that's, that's what, that's my go-to, man. That's what I like to drink. And now that uh, now that I can do that again, it's it's very exciting, and so I'm gonna pop this, pop it, pop it, pop it. Oh yeah! Um, and this, ooh, a little clang. That was unplanned. Get a nice pour going. The one thing I will say with non-alcoholic stouts is you don't get the same thickness that you would get with some uh, regular stouts. And Bravis actually is the only one that I know of, I think the only one out there, that does a bourbon barrel aged stout that's non-alcoholic. And they do it around the holidays. So when you're hearing this, keep your eyes peeled. You can go to the website, bravisbrewing.com and sign up for a newsletter if you want. So you can find out when they release that. I got it last year and it was delicious. It's a little pricey, but it's delicious. All right, here we go. Bravis, non-alcoholic, peanut butter stout, I've already had it before, but I'll pretend. Oh my god! Um, you know what I love right off the bat of any flavored stout? If you can smell the flavor before you drink it, because then you know it's gonna be tasty. You guys, I was right. It's delicious. Whew, yeah, that's a flavorful, flavorful beer. Um, the peanut butter taste is right there on the, on top, and it's kind of what you're looking for, right? When you get a peanut butter stout, um. Sometimes you get those where it's just like very subtle in the back of your throat, but this one is right there on the top. 
good mouthfeel, if you will. The peanut butter taste sits in the middle of your tongue. The beer kind of fills the rest of your mouth. Um, even though it's not thick, it still, it still feels a little heavy, you know? So highly recommend that. I don't know if they still have it in stock. It's always a limited release, but they release it a couple times a year. This is the second time I've gotten it this year. So keep your eyes peeled. Um, their regular oatmeal stout is good too. It's another go-to stout for me. Um, unrelated. Well, I guess not hundred percent unrelated, but you know, my other podcast friend request, if you use code friend request at Bravis Brewing, you can get 10% off your order. Uh, so if you want to try something non-alcoholic, especially if you're doing a dry January or something coming up, that's a nice uh, option there. They also have an IPA and an Amber and, uh, a raspberry ghost. That's actually really good too. Gosa. Sorry. Sorry. Purists. Um, what else? They have a cerveza. They have a white ale. Um, I have issues with, with a few of their beers, but I have no issues with their stouts, whether it's their flagship oatmeal stout, this, which is now my favorite non-alcoholic beer. I think their peanut butter stout or their, uh, hopefully this year's second annual bourbon barrel aged stout non-alcoholic crazy crazy stuff guys hopefully they keep this train rolling because i love it you go to bravis brewing check it out they ship to everywhere i think and um if you're lucky enough to live in some hipster areas like michigan's ann arbor you can probably find it at a store just a store i literally mean a store there's not a lot of distribution of this brewery okay let's go Did the soundtrack give it away? Do you guys know what we're talking about today? It is, I think, one of my favorite movies. I'm going to say yes, one of my favorite movies. I was obsessed with this movie in high school. Uh, and it really, even though it was the second film by this director, it was the first one I saw and the one that really like nailed him in for me. And I am, of course, talking about Jason Schwartzman's first film, Rushmore. Rushmore was released December 11th, 1998. Like I said, it has Jason Schwartzman's the main character, Max Fisher. Uh, also has Bill Murray, um, Olivia Williams, who plays Miss Cross. Uh, Bill Murray and Wes Anderson, this is the first movie they worked on together. And if you guys are Wes Anderson fans um, at all, really, you know that they've worked together a number of other times. You know, Royal Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic and uh, I think Fantastic Mr. Fox. Probably, probably like everything after this, I would imagine. I'd have to look that up to be sure, but I'm pretty sure... He's at least, like, you know, had a cameo in every one of Wes Anderson's movies. And, of course, Wes Anderson is always working with the Wilson brothers, Owen and Luke. This was directed by Wes Anderson, but written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. Uh, and it's funny, <laughs> Miss Cross, played by Olivia Williams, in her bedroom, because uh, her husband, we find out, is, is dead. And in her bedroom, there's a picture in the background of her husband, and it is a picture of Owen Wilson. Fun fact. That's it. That's the that's the only fun fact. Just kidding. There's two more. Um, this budget was ten million dollars. It's so funny to think of film budgets, because I don't I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a lot going on in this movie that warrants large budgets. You know, it's like filmed at a couple schools. There's a couple off-site shots. 
I don't know. 10 million goes quick, I guess. But who knows? Who knows how much of that went to like cast and stuff? I don't understand the film business. Who do you think I am? Anywho, <coughs> I'm going to cut that out. And if I forget to, I apologize. So Rushmore, if you haven't seen it, if you, I'll tell you what, if you haven't seen it, you really, really should. This movie has been on lists, uh, like a thousand one movies you should see before you die. There's a Bill Murray line that's on the list of like, I don't know, top 100 lines from any film, um, about being in the shit. Yeah, I was in the shit. Um, this movie is about Max Fisher who goes to this private school called Rushmore Academy. And that's like how he identifies himself. Um, and he's involved in all these extracurriculars, but you know, academically is, is the worst. And it's, it's a love affair with the school and he kind of, it turns into this love affair with the teacher at the school. There's really weird watching this being older now, you know, this came out when I was in high school. So watching it now as an adult, and I've seen it throughout the years, but it's, it's really weird feeling watching the awkward interactions between this like 30 something teacher and this 15 year old student because he's in love with her and she's like, obviously that's not going to work, but there's like a couple weird scenes. Um, and then the fact that Max who's 15 is becomes like best friends with, uh, Mr. Bloom, George Bloom, that George Herman, Herman Bloom, uh, played by Bill Murray, who's, you know, in his fifties. And so like, I guess that's how they sold the movie was the concept of a 15 year old and a 50 something year old guy being like buddies and, uh, some Disney subsidiary or something, or maybe Disney itself, like gave them the $10 million budget. It's crazy, 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 crazy. Uh, but so the concept is, is a little strange. It's a little out there. But it, it's done in such a, what we now know as like a flagship Wes Anderson style. You know, there's like a few color tones that are throughout and it's, there's a couple weird titles. Like it's just, he has, he stylizes his movies in a very specific way. And that's why you, you can see so much parody and stuff about Wes Anderson because you can easily pick out the things that are, you know, very Wes Anderson. Um, and there's a lot of fun little homages to other films and and books and a lot of a lot of stuff and I'm not going to go into all that stuff because it, it really is just fun to kind of discover but uh there are some fun facts to it so Jason Schwartzman gets this part right there's 1800 kids auditioned for the role of Max Fisher which is crazy to me um previously Wes Anderson had only done Bottle Rocket which stars Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson. And like most people, if you're listening to this, you probably don't even know the movie. It was not a huge movie. I recommend seeing it. It's really weird, uh, as you may expect from the Wilson brothers and Wes Anderson. But it's a, it's a great movie. And there's so many strange quotable things in that movie. But, uh, you know, on that, he, he got this $10 million budget and they auditioned 1,800 kids. That's just nuts to me. That's so many. And you find out that all along, like Wes Anderson wanted this one guy who I'm glad they didn't cast because he would have been, he would have looked too old for the part. But he ends up getting, or Jason Schwartzman ends up getting the part because Jason Schwartzman's aunt and uncle are Francis Ford Coppola and Sofia Coppola. So that's how he got into the business, I would assume. Um, 
and they uh he's at some party with like maybe the casting person someone was there at some party that Sofia Coppola was at throwing and he was a 17 year old kid there strange to think about but anyway so he gets the part um well he has to audition I guess but they're they want him to have the part um I guess he comes to his audition wearing a prep school blazer with a Rushmore patch on it and he made that himself to look the part which is adorable um and you know if you see the movie that's like his outfit is his like Rushmore outfit he even wears it when he goes to the public school later in the movie oops spoiler alert um i do have to mention that though because there's two main filming locations right there's well not that's not true but the main filming location is rushmore academy and that was uh saint john's school in houston texas which is where wes anderson went to high school and then this other one is supposed to be this like rundown uh public school and they call it grover cleveland in the in the movie but they shot that like directly across the street at this place called Lamar High School. Uh, and they had to, I think it's someone's like set designer or someone's quoted as like they had to ghetto it up. It seems politically incorrect now. But that's what he said. And so this time watching it, I caught a, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'd say it's a continuity error. I guess just a storytelling error, but it drove me nuts. <laughs> And I don't, maybe it's because there's math involved. So there's three times in the movie that dates or ages are mentioned for Max Fisher. Uh, when he's talking to Dr. Guggenheim uh, about getting into Rushmore, he mentions that he wrote a play in second grade. And that's when he started Rushmore in second grade. So second grade is eight years old, right? So then... He's at uh, his mother's grave, and he mentions his mom died when he was seven. So I didn't even think about that. If his mom died at seven, and he talks about how she thought he should go to Rushmore, I mean, I guess it could have been like the beginning of his second grade year, but is that what happened? Like, you should go to Rushmore, and I'm dead. That seems, I didn't even put that together either. So I was going to say something about his age based on if his mom died at seven and then like the gravestone says what date she died. And I was like, that math doesn't seem right. And then he gets a Swiss army knife as a gift. And the, it says Rushmore Yankee, 1985 to 1997. Well, according to all of these dates, he would have been like uh, three years old or two years, two or three years old in 85, not second grade. None of it makes sense. Um, and it's funny, if you go to IMDb and look at all the, like, goofs or continuity errors, there's a lot. There's a lot of continuity errors. And uh, the fact that this wasn't his first film, I, that's kind of funny to think about. Also, who's the script supervisor that's in charge of the continuity shit? Get it together, people! But seriously, it drives me nuts. Shit like that drives me crazy especially if it's like a favorite movie because you got you're gonna catch it because you're gonna watch it multiple times and you're gonna catch it unless you're like my friend eddie shout out to eddie if he's if he still subscribes to this eddie does not re-watch movies very often if at all he doesn't see the point we had a conversation about this and i think that's crazy talk um it's just nuts though it's nuts 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 but 
The main part of Rushmore that I want to talk about, other than it just being a fantastic movie, is the freaking soundtrack. So it's not a 90s soundtrack, so let's veer away from the theme. The movie came out in 98. All right, that's enough. That's enough. But there, there's a few things to unravel here. Unpack? Let's unpack it. Let's unravel it. Let's undo what we unraveled before we unpack. Okay? Mark Mothersbaugh. Mothersbaugh? Mother, let's say Mothersbaugh. M-O-T-H-E-R-S-B-A-U-G-H. Mothersbaugh? Yeah, sure. Mark Mothersbaugh did the soundtrack, and it's very specific. Uh, and I'm not talking about, like, the the songs that are used in the soundtrack, but, you know, like, the composer who, who makes all the thematic music throughout the, the transition music, all that stuff. It's very specific. And if you look at his, like, what's it called for composer? Is it still called filmography? I don't know. But he did, well, he did Bottle Rocket, Wes Anderson's first movie. He did Drop Dead Gorgeous, which we've talked about on the show. Happy Gilmar, which I think we've talked about on this show. There's so many, st- you know, what's just like sidetrack. When I started this podcast, I had all these like staple 90s favorites. And I was like, obviously, I'm going to talk about all those. I don't want to get them all out of the way right in the beginning, though, because then I'll be like, now what? And then I never got to so many of them. Rushmore is one of those. Rushmore is like, oh, obviously, I'm going to talk about that. But, you know, not right away because I have all these other just crazy. So maybe I'll be doing a bunch more of these just to get some of these movies and stuff out of the way. I want to talk about Toy Biz. Okay. All right. All right, enough, enough. <laughs> Mark Mothersbaugh did Happy Gilmore, dropped a gorgeous bottle rocket. Um, and then, like, I mean, he's done hundreds of things. Hundreds. I, I recommend looking it up um, on IMDb, and you can see, like, all the movies he's been the composer of. And you can really hear, like, specific sounds. Like, he did, I don't know if it's just the most recent one or if he was involved in the entire franchise, but he, he's been involved in Rugrats and, like, if the shoe fits, for sure. For sure. But um, this soundtrack, so the idea for the soundtrack for this movie, the like the songs, not the Mark Mother. I just wanted to point out Mark Mother's Boss stuff because I think it's fascinating. But the soundtrack, you know, the stuff you go and buy the CD for, people don't do that anymore, do they? <laughs> I am aging myself. Uh, the idea for it from Wes Anderson, you know, writer, director, sorry, co-writer, director, my bad, Owen Wilson. Um, he wanted it to be all songs by the Kinks, which uh, there's like one song that everyone knows by the Kinks, which is, uh, but are you yelling it into the, I hope you are. I hope you're yelling it into your headphones. Yeah, the Kinks. Uh, oh, Lola. That's not even the one I was thinking of. Lola, Lola, Lola. Lo 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 la That's a good song. But he wanted it to be all all kinks and if you know anything about like rock and roll and this is actually this is a great uh metaphor metaphor analogy. This is how I draw some conclusions here about this soundtrack. If you are a Radiohead fan, this is the kind of music you consider to be rock now no let me let me redo that if you're so the same kind of person that is a radiohead fan today if they existed in like the 60s 
these are the bands they would listen to. That makes more sense. That's a better analogy. I worded that correctly that time. It's a bunch of bands that for the most part, I mean, I've never heard of. And if they're bands that I've heard of, they're songs that I'm like, what what the fuck's that song? Uh, For the most part. I mean, there's a couple staples on here, but I'm just going to go through them tell you and you've heard some of them in this episode already because i own the soundtrack and it's great uh concrete and clay no that's the name of the song but the band unit four plus two i don't know who the fuck that is uh chad and jeremy don't know who the fuck that is cat stevens i know and the wind is on here but then here comes my baby i never heard that song before this movie and i don't think i've heard it anywhere else uh yves montand don't know who that is the faces i'll tell you what if you don't know who the faces are, go look that shit up. Uh, they are a staple in, there's like a, a rock chart, like a, uh, what is it called? Brainstorming chart. What are those called where there's bubbles and then they branch out into other bubbles and so on and so forth. You can take the yard birds and branch that out into like all of these bands that essentially like form all the bands that any band ever came out of. It's, it's fucking nuts, but the faces are on there. You know who Rod Stewart is? He used to be in the faces crazy. Uh, but that's Ooh La La. Never knew that song until this movie. And since then, you know, I've heard it covered in all over the place. Um, making time by the creation. That is the opening of the movie. Such a great song. Again, who the fuck's the creation? I don't know. The kinks, the song that made it on there, so good. So, so good. Nothing in the world stopped me worrying about that girl. Maybe it's just called Nothing in the World. But God, that song is good. Maybe I'll close the episode out with that song. The Who is on here, but they're doing a song called A Quick One While She's Away. Or While He's Away. I don't know the rest of the... I cut this off when I printed it. Um, another song, like, I know The Who okay i don't know i'm super well i've never been like a huge like undercut crazy track who fan but i don't know that one until now uh, or until this soundtrack and then john lennon but the song is oh yoko which is a great song and then there's just a bunch of if you buy the soundtrack it's got a bunch of the mark mother's boss songs on there which are just great great stuff it's just a great movie it's a great feel it closes uh it closes with ooh la la spoiler alert but it, God, it's done in such like a magical way. It's just really great. You guys need to go see the movie. Spend an hour and a half, watch the movie. And just allow yourself to kind of immerse into the film. Highly recommend it. That's all I got, guys. Until next time. I don't know if that's going to be in a week or a month or a fucking year. You know, I do. I'm going to do this when I feel like it. But the more beers that come out, the more frequently I'll be doing this. And if you want to hear how to turn any stout into a coffee stout or a chocolate stout or a peanut stout, I will tell you about that hopefully next time. It's nuts and it involves a French press and I don't know why. No one ever told me about it before. Okay. Bye, guys. Stay, I don't know, cool. Have a happy holiday. Don't breathe on people. Okay, bye. Where the girl fell in love, fell as I can be But I think all the time, is she true to me?
Nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl. 